What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 179. Congratulations to the Chiefs. They get it done again. Two in a row. They take down the 49ers in a really awesome matchup. I mean, a, a lot of things went wrong for both sides, but at the end of the day, I think we're going to remember this as an all-timer, and uh, we're going to break down that one all the way. Yep, we'll definitely get more into the game as the episode goes on, but it just felt like the whole way through that you knew Mahomes was, was going to make plays happen. And as a Raider fan, as telling the guys at the house I was at for the game, it was... Like, you just know, like, this guy's going to – if you give him a chance, he's going to win. And it happens every single time. I'm not surprised that it happened again on Sunday. So, we'll get into that in a few. But with that being said, let's get into our opener. Skyler, tell me about Stephen Curry's game winner from this past week. Oh, yeah. Saturday night against the Phoenix Suns, who were at one point one of the hottest teams in the West. Uh, it looks like things have shifted over to the Warrior side. They get the one-point victory here at home. Stephen Curry with another game-sealing shot. Um, it, it was just amazing to watch. A great pass from Brandon Pajemski out of bounds. Um, uh, the bounce had the perfect spin to split the defenders. So, you know, there's only a couple seconds on the clock. Steph's not going to be able to cut down the middle of the uh, of the court it had to be a perfect pass to the outside and he made the shot man he had 30 points uh it doesn't even end there they they beat uh, a couple of teams pretty handedly after that um memphis before utah last night uh, i like what i'm seeing from golden state man yeah no anytime that we get to see steph play we gotta take it for not 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 take it for granted yeah. i mean and uh because his days are obviously numbered. He's obviously still going to be effective for a couple more years at least, but it's not going to be lasting forever. So as a Warrior fan, especially, make sure that you're value in every game that we get to see Stephen Curry play. My favorite thing from this past week was Radio Row, uh, where all the you know teams and reporters get together and have a whole bunch of you know words come out over the prior week to the Super Bowl. Antonio Pierce, of course, has interviewed a ton with the Super Bowl being in Las Vegas. And one of the questions that he was asked was, you know, being in the division of now Harbaugh and, of course, the Super Bowl champs and, and then Sean Payton and his pedigree as well, too. Like, how do you uh, – I forget what the exact wording was. Like, how, how do you get ready for them, you know? And said, well, they got to be ready for us. And just the overlord or overdose of confidence that he's had – with this team and to the point where it's not, it's not cocky. It's just extremely confident and extremely prepared in what he's saying. And to have a coach that's saying that feels awesome because I know for sure Josh McDaniels wasn't saying that. And, you know, maybe John Gruden was saying stuff along those lines, but he was saying it in the ways that it came off really bad. But uh, I enjoy hearing AP speak. And I know he was just on a podcast that came out today with uh, Ryan Clark and, and his crew at the pivot. And I listened to it, and some of the stuff that guy says in, in that podcast is pretty intense, too. He gets into the entire scuffle that went down prior to Josh McDaniels being fired, where he had a complete, you know, meeting with all the players, all the coaches, and they just kind of let loose on both sides, and he, he kind of got into depth with that, and hearing how a, AP phrased it and his his perspective from all that stuff was, was pretty interesting to see. So that's probably the best thing that I saw in this past week. With that being said, though, we'll get into the Super Bowl and, and the recap and thoughts. We're not going to go crazy into the stats because we all pretty much know what happened in the game. But what are your thoughts on this one, Skylar? I know you said one of the best Super Bowls that we've seen in our lifetime, if not the best. Uh, but any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, well, just to go off of what you said, uh, last night I was trying to to break it down, comparing this Super Bowl to the the Seattle and New England one that came down to the goal line interception. And I forgot my friend Dilly was in the party. He was a Seattle fan. He wasn't very happy with mm -hmm. me. Um, but th those are, are probably the top two that, that I've seen um, in my lifetime as a youngster. 
like I said earlier, I, I don't think it was one specific thing that that blew the game for San Francisco, not the coin toss, not Purdy. Uh, however, the you know the McCaffrey fumble with a chance to go up 17-0 on Kansas City in the Super Bowl, that's a massive one. It's a combination of all the injuries to the key players that, that got into their head. It's not just about the backup stepping in. It's not Oren Burke's fault that he had to come mm-hmm. in and guard Kelsey. It's three consecutive three and outs. It's terrible O-line play throughout the game. And that's exactly how Brady came back against the Falcons. Three three and outs in a row. That gets Mahomes back into the game without wasting too much clock. At this point, I think Patrick Mahomes has to be on the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks. That's top four. Uh, we don't need to get into yeah. that yet. We have lots of offseason time for that. Um, you can't make that many mistakes to beat him. I just listed off 12 different things there. The green line injury was really hard to watch. The Niners not understanding the rules, also hard to watch, also odd that that was the case. But they were outmatched by the Kansas City defense at the end of the day. Those guys completely shut down McCaffrey in the second half. Although he still had 160 yards, right? Which is crazy, but they, you know, four San Francisco shut down. Yeah. I, I do find it kind of puzzling to hear some of the stuff that you, you said about with Shanahan and the overtime rules and all that stuff. I just find it impossible to not be prepared for that situation. Like how over the two weeks do you not go over that at all? Uh, like Chiefs players said, they went over it every single week in the playoffs. It was something that they made sure that they were all aware of once they got to overtime. And it just felt like it was such an obvious thing that if you win the coin toss, you defer – because you get a chance to win the game regardless of what the first team does, even if they do score a touchdown in, in their first drive because you can just go for two and win it. And that's exactly what Andy Reid said that they were going to do if the Niners did score a touchdown in that first drive, that they were going to come back and go for two after scoring their touchdown. But it is a game where it's not like – I feel like the easiest thing to do in games like this is you throw the blame all on one person, and that's always what social media likes to do and – this game is just not that case. And I don't think you really can make a case for, you know, any one certain thing holding down the Niners from, from winning the Super Bowl. What a crazy ass game. Super Bowl 58, man. I will say Mahomes. I, I know you said don't, we're not going to get into it, but yeah, go ahead. Top three, top three, probably, you know, I think it's probably just Montana, Brady, Mahomes is a top It's, it's kind of hard to compare him to Peyton. That would be my next guy, though, in my opinion. Yeah. Pey- Peyton makes sense, of course, but obviously Mahomes has the rings now, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 he's past him. I, I put him past the Aikman pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, Marino obviously doesn't have the rings. Well, like you said, we'll, we'll get into it another day. But uh, it doesn't mean we're not talking quarterback next. Oh, yeah. Because we have one of our favorite segments of the entire year that we do – our 2024 QB predictions where we go through all 32 teams and predict who's going to be their starting quarterback for the majority of the next season. It's not the, uh, you know, week one starter. So say the team drafts the QB and then they don't play in week one. We're not picking that number one guy who's going to, you know, start week one. And then the rookie comes in afterwards. You can include them, whatever you want to do with that. But uh, we'll get right into the AFC and the AFC East starting off with an, Obvious one in Josh Allen with the Bills. Yes, yes, sir. Miami, this is where I threw my wild card a couple weeks back, and I said that Dak Prescott would be traded to the Miami Dolphins for Tua. I'm still sticking by it. I think it's obviously super unlikely, but if I were to pick a crazy wild card, you know, trade this offseason, Dak for Tua would be what it would be. I'm sticking with Tua. I think we – just got to wait until Tua either gets paid or doesn't get paid after this next season. I uh, I just I don't see um, Miami being able to move around that that Dak contract yet. Mm. Yeah, my New England Patriots one might spoil a few ones later on, so I'm not going to give an explanation for it quite yet. But I'll just say who it is, and I have Drake May as the Patriots quarterback. All right, uh, similar strategy here. I do have Jaden Daniels though at number three. Then the Jets have uh, Mr. Aaron Rodgers for once. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be Rodgers, but um, please get an expensive backup. Tannehill, Brissett, Minshew, please. Yeah. 
Moving on to the north, I think we have three, three pretty easy ones in Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Deshaun Watson with their respective squads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up is the Pittsburgh Steelers, though. We know it probably you're probably not comfortable with Kenny Pickett. You know, it's not going to be Mason Rudolph. So what direction do you go in? I decided to go with probably one of the best veterans that's on the market in Russell Wilson. However, I also had him drafting a quarterback in J.J. McCarthy. I am uh, right there with you, man. Uh, Russell Wilson is going to be the guy they go after, but it's going to be Bone Nick sitting behind them. I just feel like they're going to be left out of the mix. The, the rumor is they're really in on Justin Fields. Obviously, a great defense helps, but he's he's more likely going to go to to the Raiders or, or Atlanta, and we'll get into that in a little bit. That's a whole other conversation. But uh, Bone Nick's sitting behind Russell Wilson. I think that's the best yeah. they could possibly do with the you know the picks they have. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the the Steelers Russell Wilson fit before, ever since the first time that I heard it. So it makes sense. It's a, a more of a veteran squad, and I obviously don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender with him in. But they'll be better than what they were with, with Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. So Russell Wilson, and then JJ McCarthy to be there as their long guy in the future if Russell Wilson doesn't work out. To the south. Four, I'd say, decently easy ones here. CJ Stroud with the Texans, Anthony Richardson with the Colts with the draft capital that they had to get. Pick him last year. They got to go with him. Then Trevor Lawrence and then Will Levis for the Titans with his decently impressive first start in the NFL. Yeah, I am all good with these four. Uh, If you were to have a question mark, it would be Anthony Richardson with the Colts because of the injuries. But today they announced he's six to eight weeks ahead of schedule. So awesome for Indy and and all four of these teams are going to be fun to watch, whether they're rebuilding or not. AFC West, two pretty easy ones, of course, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. But then we get into two that are completely up for the air. We'll start off with the Denver Broncos, where I went with Bo Nix. I think they'd be able to take him at 12. I think they would stay there, perhaps even trade back if they really needed to and take him whenever. But I got Bo Nix as starting QB for the Denver Broncos. My starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos will be J.J. McCarthy. Looks like we did a little swap there on uh, on Pittsburgh and Denver. I... Same as you. I think Denver could easily take J.J. McCarthy at 12. They could even trade up to grab him because it's just something about about Sean Payton man he's just going to go after the guy who won the most games i don't think he really cares he just if does he fit my system can he make nfl throws bet come over here even though you threw 10 times a game in college doesn't matter i'll teach you he's a winner yeah <laughs> moving on to the raiders where i i had to pick him because i got to do some sort of wishful thinking so i have Jaden daniels as the raiders quarterback in 2024 I like it. That would obviously take a lot to move up. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't go that route. Um, but I went with what could be better off at the end of the day. I have the combination of AOC with Michael Penix Jr. I don't think you have to take him with pick, thir- uh, what are you, 14? 13. 13. You, I don't think you even have to pick him there. You can trade back into the first. You can trade back up in the second. Um, not that his stock is down. It's It's just, you know. J.J. McCarthy's a young gun coming off a of natty. Michael Penix didn't leave the uh, the greatest taste in the mouth of uh, of the scouts here. And uh, NAOC is is you know he's cheap. He's a guy you, you mm-hmm. just yeah. in case. I will say I do know it's extremely unlikely now that that Jaden Daniels becomes a Raider. I'll explain my scenario once yeah. we get to where Caleb Williams lands and somewhere in the NFC. Starting off with the NFC East, though, the Dallas Cowboys, I now have Tua as their quarterback. You sticking with Dak Prescott? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think they're going to try this whole uh, McCarthy-Dak thing one more time, and if it doesn't work, then things get interesting. Philadelphia yeah. is obviously going to stay with Jalen Hurts. I don't think we're seeing a you know, Carson Wentz scenario there. Mariota will not be back. <laughs> yeah. uh, the New York Giants... There's a lot of speculation around this. I just think the financial commitment to Daniel Jones is too much to move on from him quite yet. I think they're in a scenario where they could be looking for a quarterback in 2025 if they want to go like when yours or past that and go with Arch Manning. Yeah, I, I'm also sticking with Daniel Jones. Um, the thing is, they are looking for someone else. 
but it's just not going to be the guy yet. I, I have Trubisky going there to back him up. And uh, like you said, they're in Shadur, when Ewers, even Arch Manning territory. It, it's just not the time. And Giants fans are going to be pissed, but at the end of the day, it may be the best option. Mm-hmm. And the Washington Commanders, and this is where I explain my Caleb Williams scenario, because I have Caleb Williams as the quarterback for the Washington Commanders. So... Obviously, Commanders have the second pick right now. The first pick is held by the Bears. The Commanders get cold feet in trying to get their guy, and so they trade up for the first pick. You know, they give up, I would say, a ton of stuff, maybe an extra, you know, first-round pick, whatever it is. They swap one and two with the Chicago Bears. They take Caleb Williams with the number one pick. And number two is where Marvin Harrison goes. From there, we see number three go Drake May with the Patriots. And then that makes number four, where it would seem like a slam dunk Marvin Harrison pick with the Cardinals. He's no longer there. They're willing to trade. The Raiders move in, grab pick four, take Jaden Daniels. Cardinals get a haul back, and they get to do whatever they want to do at 13 and probably you know next year's first-round pick and maybe even the year after that. So Caleb Williams, the Washington Commanders. Would obviously be a great fit, um, but I, I still have Drake May here at number two. I have the Bears actually trading a different pick, and we'll get into that when we talk about a little mock draft that I made that uh, I also tied into this experiment so we didn't get too lost in the sauce here. But Drake May, I, I think, is is just as physically gifted as, as anybody, so he's going to get a real shot. Yeah. Moving on to the north, the Lions and the Packers got two slam dunk guys. And Jared Goff and Jordan Love. I assume that you have those same. Yep. yep. The Chicago Bears, I kind of showed my hand with what I was talking about with the Washington Commanders. The Bears stick with Justin Fields as their quarterback of the future and have Marvin Harrison and DJ Moore as his top three targets. So I do have the Bears staying at number one and taking Caleb Williams. Um and again, we, we've talked about this before. It's not that Caleb Williams is better. It's not that Justin Fields isn't a good fit. It's just that Caleb Williams is going to be so much cheaper. You have to pay Justin Fields next year, no matter what happens, if he's good or bad. And what most teams do is just restart the clock. That's the easiest way to win a Super Bowl. If you don't have one of the top quarterbacks in the league is to go all in with a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Last team in the North, the Minnesota Vikings. I have them as kind of the, the odd man out in this scenario where uh, I'll explain where I think Kirk Cousins is going to go, but I think he leaves in free agency for a spot that could be better for him. And they don't really have a guy like Russell Wilson because he's already in Pittsburgh. A couple other dudes have already moved as well, too. And that just Russell Wilson and, and Kirk Cousins alone, the free agency class of the quarterbacks is kind of wiped at that point. So you kind of start moving on to those C tier, you know, maybe even D tier guys. And so I had Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback in week one, and then moving on to Michael Penix as a guy that they probably take, you know, late first or, or early second. All right. I, uh, I do have Kirk coming back. Uh, he said before he's willing to take the hometown discount to come back to Minnesota. Um, and like you said, the market is kind of odd right now for quarterbacks. So I think he may try to test at the beginning of free agency and realize, eh, I don't want to go to Seattle, man. They're not as good as Minnesota. He's going to end up coming back. Uh, but Josh Dobbs isn't coming back. Um, they're going to have to get somebody else. So I say they miss out on the draft and go pick up a Sam Darnold or a, a Minshew, someone who, I don't know, man. Someone who has has the traits of a of a rookie quarterback, but just a little smarter. Yeah. Moving on to the South, we'll start off with the Falcons because this one's fun, and I yeah. this is where I have Kirk Cousins going. In a scenario where it's the Falcons or the Vikings, there's probably going to be additional teams in there, say the Steelers, say the Raiders, say the Broncos, whoever. But if it's those two teams, Kirk Cousins has either the choice to go back to. Minnesota, he's got, you know, two young wide receivers that are great, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, or he can go to Atlanta where he has a great running back. He has Drake London. He has a potential star in confidence. I know it's very controversial with him where his stats don't show. When he gets in a good offense, he's going to be really damn good. I think that's pretty pretty clear to me. 
I think Kirk Cousins, he says, maybe go down to Atlanta. You know, fits the, the Kirk O'Chain's vibe a little bit better, too, as well. So I say Atlanta gives him a bag, and Kirk Cousins become a, becomes a Falcon in a division that he could win probably a bit easier than the North with, with you know, the Lions and now the Packers being pretty damn good as well, too. I do have Justin Fields here. Uh, to me, it just makes way too much sense. In my opinion, this is going to be the number one guy in free agency, and he's going to basically get to choose where he goes. In my opinion, that's the Raiders or the Falcons. I think him playing in Atlanta before probably helps, and and he's going to end up choosing Atlanta. Yeah. Sorry. Next up, the Carolina Panthers. I got Bryce Young. Uh, that's pretty obvious. Yes, yes. Next two guys, kind of, kind of up in the air. I, I mean, I guess there's the majority would say that they stay. I have Derek Carr with the Saints and the Baker Mayfield with the Buccaneers. I know he's a free agent, but with how that fit went this past year, I, I'm not even counting him as a free agent. I think he signs pretty, pretty quickly back to the Buccaneers. I agree. I, I think Baker Mayfield is going to get that Geno Smith type deal, uh, where he, he may get only two years and that's just because it's it's really risky and uh, e- even though he did play well and then Dave uh David Jesus Derek Carr mm-hmm. uh, is kind of the opposite here where they can't move him <laughs> at all so you yeah. might as well play him yeah. they did have a good second half of the season yeah. I would say with, with Carr so not that he's bad he's yeah. Of, yeah. they just got to do a lot of cap readjusting as well too like the Saints do every single year so Moving on to the last division that we have, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Niners, and the Seahawks. Despite all the controversy that we heard prior to the year, throughout the end of the season, Kyler Murray will still be the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. I assume you have the same thing since I didn't find him anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Get him uh, some help, please. Same thing for Matthew Stafford and Brock Purdy, of course, with their respective teams. Mm-hmm. Probably and taking some shots guy, at late round picks, maybe. Yeah, last guy, it's kind of obvious now since we've listed all the 31 other teams, but Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks. I think this one isn't as clear as some people might think it is. I think there's a chance that they might want to do something crazy, and, and you know he could be a guy where maybe he gets traded to the squad in order for another court or in exchange for another quarterback. I just have zero clue where that would fit. So I have Geno Smith saying in Seattle. Yeah, the big thing with Gino is that they can completely end the contract right now. There's a big opt-out coming out in a couple weeks, basically, is when our our free agency starts. So I think they're going to do something. That doesn't necessarily mean Gino won't be the week one starter, but how about trading a third or a fourth for Kenny Pickett? You got nothing to lose, and uh, that defense will be pissed if they do a full rebuild. Yeah, no, they're in a weird spot where you got a lot of really good players on both sides of the ball, and they're both really young. So either do something dramatic or, I guess, stay with Gino. It's our 2024 QB predictions, though. And we'll move on to our way too early 2024 awards and Super Bowl prediction. We'll start off, the, start off with the MVP, and I'll, I'll let you go first on this one, Skyler. So Patrick Mahomes is back on the pedestal here after another Super Bowl ring. Um, I believe it's going to be his award to lose now. And, uh, you know, Stroud and the usuals, even Jordan Love, they're going to be there. But now I, I feel like people, especially the voters, are going to look at Patrick Mahomes differently. They're actually going to going to look at him as, as the future Hall of Famer, that if he stepped off the field right now, uh, he would be on Mount Rushmore. And that's going to make it really difficult for some of these other dudes to to beat him unless uh, a youngster hits that 50 touchdown mark that uh, hasn't been touched since Mahomes. Yeah. I went away from Mahomes, and I can see how it's just super easy to put him with all the stuff that's currently going on, uh, of course. But I think I think Mahomes gets into a spot now where he, he kind of ex- – understands exactly what he needs in the regular season to get to the spot where he needs to in the playoffs. And so we don't see any, you know, 50 touchdown or maybe even 40 touchdown season from Mahomes for, you know, the next four to five years until we see 
you know, based off of Brady, you compare him so easily, he gets into that second stand of career, of his career, where he starts going crazy. My MVP, with the trade for Tua and Dak Prescott, I think Dak Prescott and the Mike McDaniel offense would be absolutely ridiculous. I think we would see 5,000-plus yards easily, probably 40-plus touchdowns. He had a great arm. His decision-making has been the one thing that's held him back, and when you're in an offense with Mike McDaniel, the decisions are super clear. So I say Dak Prescott wins MVP. That'd be crazy. Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Defensive player of the year, Scatter. A lot of choices for this one. Yeah, you're going to like this one. I'm going with Max Crosby. Um, very well respected. Now that, uh, you know, it's it's a, a part of the awards that people forget about is that you have to actually like the guy to vote for him. And I think that's starting to swing into his favor. Another full season with great defensive coaches around him uh, can only help. He's an animal. Every time you turn on the Raiders, you know this better than most people. He is in every single pile. And at some point, he's going to get one. Maybe since, uh, you know, it, it's it's debatable T.J. Watt got, you know, air quotes screwed out of it this year uh, compared to Miles Garrett, who it, it doesn't have as uh, polished of a game, some say. It's interesting, but I'm going with Crosby. He's going to have a monster season. Yeah. I agree with you, Skyler. I put Crosby <laughs> as my defensive player of the year as well, too. I, I'm saying he's due. He, he, I, you say he's going to get one. I, I'm completely there with you. And it makes me – it helps validate my yeah. bias because I know that you're not biased in that situation uh, that I have, you know, Max with two X's as my defensive player of the year. Oh, yeah. The Opoy, though. So, the Offensive Player the of the Year. You know, I, I like Amon Ross St. Brown's odds a lot because he's only gotten better each season. But they, they're they going to run the ball so much next season. I'm going to go with C.D. Lamb instead. Um, you know, that, that Dak break, not even breakout because he was awesome this year, but that Dak season where he could possibly throw for millions of yards and touchdowns, I think he could do it in Dallas, too almost as well in Miami. Uh, he's going to have so many yards. They're, they're going to win a whole bunch of games. And uh, you know how it goes, man. Dallas destroys the regular season. Yeah. My offensive player of the year, I feel like I do this too often where I could, I link to MVP and Opoy pretty easily. I don't know if Tyreek Hill, but if, you know, the Stack Prescott trade were to happen, realistically, we're looking at a 2,000-yard season for Tyreek Hill and near 20 touchdowns as well, too, so. I say Tyreek gets play. Moving on to defensive rookie of the year. This one's a bit interesting because we don't have a, you know, a clear cut top five guy in the draft. I know I was talking to you about this yesterday, whatever yeah. day it was too, where it seems a lot more up in the air. And I guess it was pretty up in the air this year as well too, just because the top top picks didn't really stand out as much as we would expect them to. But who do you have for defensive rookie of the year in 2024? Yeah, you're right. There's going to be a lot of offensive players in this first round, at least in the first half. Um, but I'm going to stick with my board and go with my top defensive player, Dallas Turner. I'm projecting him to Atlanta. The, that Justin Fields trade in my scenario uh, doesn't have anything to do with the first round. Not only explosive off the edge, but he has the run stuffing ability that even Will Anderson struggled with this season. And um, I, I just think it would be a perfect fit uh, learning from Calais Campbell if he does stay, of course. My defensive rookie of the year is going to be Jared Verse. Watching this dude in college, I'd say that he is probably my number one defender in the drafts. I know Dallas Turner is amazing as well, too. I didn't watch him as much, so I guess there's a bit of bias with Verse, but watching him play this past year, he's ridiculous. He's got the size. He's got the speed. I think he's going to be just fine translating to the NFL level immediately once he gets there. Offensive rookie of the year. We saw this award shown to be a complete QB award and I'm not saying Stroud had a bad season or anything like that Stroud was obviously amazing but in my opinion last year should have gone to Puka especially with you know breaking all these records never been done before I understand the Stroud you know recipient of it but it's become who's going to be the best rookie QB and who's yours so uh, that, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I almost I, I was typing in my first thought was Roma Dunze, 
because, and we'll get to it uh, during the mock draft, but this team really needed a receiver. I'm going to go with his quarterback, though, in this situation, Caleb Williams, Chicago. I, I I still have him going number one, like we talked about. Unbelievable physical traits. It's almost like taking Kyler Murray, stretching him out to a reasonable size for an NFL quarterback and giving him a ridiculous arm. He's going to make his mistakes, but there, there's much worse situations to go to. I'd much rather see him in Chicago than Washington for those reasons, even though at the end of the day, he may turn into that special Hall of Famer if he ends up with Kingsbury. In my scenario, it's that that great short-term success here. We could possibly see this team go from the bottom to the playoffs like we've seen in a couple of years now with some of these these rookies possible. Yeah. So like I mentioned, and like you mentioned as well too, it's it become a quarterback award. And the four guys I think are eligible for it based off of how much I think they're going to play are Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jane Daniels. So I'm looking at the four situations, and I look at Bo Nix and Denver. I don't think that's going to be anything crazy. I think he'll be decent as Rick here, but not too much. I look at Drake May in New England, and I immediately cross it off because he's not going to have jack shit to throw it to. And it's down to Jane Daniels and it's and Caleb Williams. I look at if things go to the way I plan, Jane Daniels is going to be having you know an all pro wide receiver, an all pro running back, a good rookie tight or I guess second year tight end, a good second wide receiver in Jacoby Myers. Uh, and I really want to put Daniels. However, even though he's not going to have much in Washington, I still put Caleb Williams. So Caleb Williams is my guy. Sorry, I saw my internet connection went unstable. Could you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can. I can hear you much better now. Yes. Okay. okay, perfect. So Caleb Williams is my rookie of the year coach of the year i am uh i'm going into the bag for this one kyle we're going doug peterson jacksonville i think jacksonville is going to be pissed off that houston is the new darling of the afc people could be leaving calvin ridley has some some trade rumors um they don't have the perfect roster but i have a feeling that doug peterson and trevor lawrence are going to figure this thing out possibly even win the division It's this is a weird spot because the coach of the year criteria is always very weird. It's not you know the best record translate yeah. to the best coach and the best coach automatically gets it because we'd see Andy Reid on here probably three of the last five years at least. Yeah. You don't often see a guy that's been there for a long time or you know whoever it is so. It's usually down to a first or second year guy. And I went with with Mike McDonald. I don't think it'll be Harbaugh, even if the Chargers are, you know, a playoff team. I, I don't think they're going to win the division, but maybe if they win the division, he could get it. They're going to go away from him because they know he's already good. So Mike McDonald is, is, is my choice with the Seahawks. Comeback player of the year. A few different guys you could go with here. Who'd you choose? I went with my guy, A.A. Ron, Aaron Rodgers. If he does anything with the Jets on one leg, that would be a miracle. I, I'm still, I still have so, so many doubts about the season. I just, you know, every other time this has happened, we've been hyped up. It just fails. Everyone gets fired. We restart and draft a shitty quarterback, try to figure it out. And um, I feel like this would be the ultimate comeback especially being a 40-year-old with this this injury many people don't ever come back from. And of course, like you said, there's there's big injuries like Nick Chubb, um even though the, even this award's been tilted towards the quarterback recently. There's Anthony Richardson, of course. Um but that Achilles tear at 40 years old has never been done before. I think if even if he, you know, goes maybe 9 and 8 and goes to a pro bowl, that's his award. Yeah, I, I don't Disagree with you on that behalf. However, I think Aaron Rodgers and the media have such a disgruntled relationship that no matter what he does, unless he wins the MVP, he will not be voted for. So I don't know if Joe Burrow is my guy. Maybe not the biggest injury, but he's a quarterback. He's a big name, and he's coming off a year where he played about half the season. So Joe Burrow is my comeback player of the year. Yeah, yeah. him and Herbert, I could have mentioned. Yeah. 
the Super Bowl, the last one that we got, what's your pick for next year? Yeah, I'm not going to mess around here. Uh, we got a rematch of Super Bowl one and two, Kansas City over Green Bay. Okay, I can't pick against Kansas City after after winning it in a down year to their standards. Uh, they're going to go all in right now. I know you mentioned maybe in the regular season they'll uh, they'll take it a little easier, especially Mahomes with the running around. But um, they know time's running out with Andy Reid, Kelsey, the O line, and then there's Green Bay. There is so much room to grow here. All they need is to retain that defense. And have Jordan Love turn one of those young receivers into a number one. The tight ends also do for some crazy progression here. They've been drafting really well, and uh, they just got to keep it going. And they'll be here at some point. So Kansas City over Green Bay, uh, historical matchup. I love it as a historian, of course. Uh, and unfortunately, Kansas City <laughs> wins three in a row for everyone else. All right, my pick. My NFC team that I have is the Rams. I, I think it's extremely hard to get back to the Super Bowl after you lose it. I don't think we've seen a team do that in quite a while. So, unfortunately, I don't have the Niners going back. I have the Rams, the team who has a quarterback that's won a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl there, of course, there, of course too. They got young studs, Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, a couple of guys that drafted on defense last year as well, too. Obviously going to get better. Maybe they're not the best team in the regular season, but I think they, they could have the magic where they get in to the Super Bowl again. However, they're going to be going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in their pursuit for a three-peat, something that has never been done in NFL history. And it gets done. Patrick Mahomes wins his fourth Super Bowl, probably his fourth Super Bowl MVP. Then it becomes Mahomes and Brady for a long time because it's got a long ways to go. But besides Brady, there's no one else that really, you know, compares to him if he gets four, especially four in six years. Yeah. Um, damn, that would suck. But also, uh, more records being broken is, is good for the game, right? Uh, as someone who hated Tom Brady for so many years. You know, it's not the worst guy to uh, to go after him, right? Yeah, I mean, it's I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if it was flip flopped, you'd maybe say the same things because yep. obviously Brady was in your division, Mahomes is in my division. We see it at two different ways, but I obviously can appreciate greatness as well too. I know he's the best player that we've seen in this league, probably. I mean, obviously, since Brady, but it's just, I don't want to see him win, man. It's its just too rough. Anyways, let's go, let's go to mock draft. Yes, sir. The post-Super Bowl mock draft, uh, some of the picks have been spoiled from the earlier segment, but that doesn't take away from the fun. Just one thing I want to remind you of, historically, mock draft one, right after the regular season ends is more accurate than the one right before the draft. So as we go, we're just getting fed more and more BS, but we're going to try to fight through it and, and try to figure out what these guys need. So uh, the top three picks, I do have the quarterbacks, Caleb to the bears, Drake may to Washington, Jaden Daniels to new England. That's an easy pick at number four, Marvin Harrison jr. To the Cardinals, um, new England definitely could take him. I know in your situation, the bears take him. That's not where my trades are yet. Uh, number five, I do have Brock Bowers. I go back and forth on this one because, man, is another tight end going to go in the top five after the last one didn't get used? But Harbaugh's going to use his tight ends, man. That That's how he won the national title. Especially with uh, Greg Roman there. I wouldn't be shocked. Yes, sir. Turn him into a little Mark Andrews clone. Uh, number six, the Giants get their receiver of choice after Marvin. It's Malik Neighbors, very explosive guy. Number seven, the Titans are taking Maya O-Tackle. One, Olu Fashanu, great in pass pro. That's what you need with Will Levis. Number eight, uh, talked about it earlier, Dallas Turner, my defensive rookie of the year. Number nine is the trade. We have Denver trading up to number nine for J.J. McCarthy here. They're going to get really anxious that the quarterbacks are gone. At this point, we're going to know if if Justin Fields has been traded or not and if, if Atlanta is going to take a quarterback. And um, this is probably the highest that they can trade up which is in front of the Jets. And that's perfect for us because uh, we'll take Joe Walt, tackle from Notre Dame, massive need 
instant starter. Number 11, we got Kyle's guy, Jared Verse, to Minnesota. Daniel Hunter is a free agent, and you can get a quarterback later. If Kirk Cousins isn't coming back, of course, I do. At number 12, uh, again, it's it's a perfect trade down for the Bears. You figure at some point they're going to trade down because they have these these crazy picks. It's you know never been done like this. And uh, they're going to take Roma Dunze, the new wide receiver, two for Caleb, eventually number one. Uh, you guys hinted at the, a, a late quarterback here, so you're going to get one of my favorite players in the draft, Taliese Fuaga, instant starter at right tackle that's uh, – been a little bit of question mark for you guys uh let's see we'll scroll down here uh seattle at 16 definitely could take a quarterback especially if uh, geno smith's released but uh, i got him going jerzon newton d tackle um brian thomas jr number 18 to the Bengals. that's a receiver from lsu i feel like he's going to rise a little higher because he's six four six five and moves like everybody else a lot of corners will go in a row and uh, at the end of the day here, the, the app I was using, the website, the mock draft uh, database, w- wasn't letting me trade. But I think uh, around 26, 27, the Raiders could trade up for Penix. Uh, around 30, 31, 32, Steelers could move up for Bo Nix. And that is basically all here for the post-Super Bowl mock draft. Money. We're getting into one of my favorite segments of the show every single week, looking at the MLB moves. Some of the stuff that we've seen over this past week. We can start with the moves that we saw on February 7th. First off was Vladdy Jr. agreeing to a one-year deal and winning his arbitration case. So congrats on Vladdy getting a little bit of extra money and on being the cover of MLB 24 the show. Next up, we saw former top prospect Jordan Balazovic be designated for assignment by the Minnesota Twins. Solid, you know, right-handed pitcher. Just battled a few injuries. Already 25 years old. Had a cup of coffee in the bigs. And the Twins gave up on him. Then the again, Twins gave up so on bad. all of the... Do you remember we talked about the Rule 5 draft? And uh, I was like, man, Minnesota's got a lot of guys on the bubble right now. They cut them all. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then again, he they also are super deep uh, with yeah. their, you know, B-plus prospects and so i'd say balasovic not being there isn't any big deal uh, we also saw gary sanchez sign a one-year deal with the milwaukee brewers on that day gary sanchez was solid with the padres i think he was pretty underrated last year i think he had about 20 homers ops over i want to say 750 770 so he had a good season and now he lands in milwaukee another place kind of like san diego where you're not going to get crazy media attention Unlike New York, and I think he should be fine over there. We saw Guillermo Zuninga be traded to the Angels away from the Cardinals. You might not recognize that name. He was the flamethrower that was on Columbia in the WBC. I thought he was electric. He didn't really get too much action for the Cardinals. Maybe he has a higher chance to get in with the Angels here. Still only 25 years old. And then we saw average infielder Nick Maton be traded to the Baltimore Orioles on the seventh. Moving on to the eighth, we saw Adolis Garcia avoid arbitration and sign a two-year deal with the Texas Rangers. Adolis Garcia is in a weird spot where he's already 31 and he only has three years of MLB service. This takes him through year five of that. So he'd be a free agent at age 34 likely just going to spend his career in Texas unless we see, you know, a trade or something like that because he's not going to be a guy who gets a massive bag or anything like that at 34. We saw Levon Soto be claimed off of waivers from the Angels to the Baltimore Orioles. This is a guy who nobody knows about, but he's a 24-year-old infielder, left-handed bat, he came up for the Angels not this past year, but the year before, and was really, really effective in about a month. Uh, high contact rate, not a lot of power, but I think he hit nearly 400 in his month that he was up, and the Angels just didn't play him like at all last year. So Levon Soto goes to a place where they've been amazing at development, developing prospects, still only 24 years old, and he finds a home there. On the ninth, we saw Yariel Rodriguez had a four-year deal officially with the Blue Jays. This is an international guy, 27 years old, has not played in the big leagues yet. Uh, will probably be thrown right 
into the major league roster with the Blue Jays. On the ninth, we also saw Jonathan India, a guy who is still possibly going to be traded this offseason, agreed to a two-year deal avoiding arbitration with the Cincinnati Reds, of course. Maybe he stays there. Who knows? Then we didn't really get anything on the 10th, but on the 11th, we saw Yasmani Grandol, veteran catcher, sign a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bit of an interesting deal, I guess. Uh, Obviously, they kind of want to move Henry Davis away from catching to promote the longevity of his career. So I'll play exclusively right field, so that means... Andy Rodriguez is going to need a guy to help man the backstop, and they decided Jens Monty Grandall will be that guy. Spencer Turnbull also signed a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. He was good at the beginning of his career. Now he's pretty ass. Uh, maybe competes for that five spot in the Phillies rotation that I was talking about a few weeks ago that isn't that good. Uh, if not, then he's probably cut. But it was a major league deal. Next up... We saw a trade on the 11th. Nick Gordon for Stephen Okert. Lefty reliever goes to the Twins. Nick Gordon, utility guy, obviously brother of D. Gordon, goes to Miami. Pretty cool story there, I guess, obviously with D. Gordon, his, you know, kind of emotional tenure with the Marlins. First thing I thought so of. his brother is in Miami now. On the 12th, we got a slurry, a flurry, not a slurry, uh, of... Uh, small moves, Jesse Winker to the Nats, Amir Garrett to the Giants, Ben Gamble to the Mets. We also saw Jerkson Profar sign the only major league deal of the day to go back to the Padres where he was a few years ago. And he actually had a decent season in San Diego, so I like that move there. And then on the 13th, which is today, we got a few different things. Uh, we saw Jorge Soler, the big move. Being a three-year deal, $42 million to sign with the Giants. Good job there. Doesn't really fit that ballpark, but they need a power hitter. They, they had to get somebody. 30 homers yeah. in a long time. So Jorge Soler lands over there. Otto Lopez also went to the Giants. He was a guy who was in the Blue Jays system, decently high prospect. Hasn't panned out in his time that he's been up, but he's only 25 lands there. Uh, Jordan Groshans, former top prospect for the Blue Jays, then went to Miami this past year. He was put on waivers by Miami about a week ago, and the New York Yankees picked him up. So if you were saying this two, three years ago, Jordan Groshans, the Yankees, have been kind of crazy. Now a 24-year-old infielder who hasn't produced when he's been up with the big leagues finds a spot in New York, but most likely as a 26 guy on the MLB roster or, you know, in fifth for whatever their triple-A team is called. Uh, Jordan Balazovic, who I mentioned, was the fade cleared waivers that we picked up. He got outright of the minors instead of electing free agency. Yanni Chirinos, a guy who was the five-starter for the Braves, actually quite a bit for at the end of the season last year, set a minor league contract with Miami. He was effective in Tampa a little bit as well, too, in the past. Drew Pomeranz, former A signed a deal with the Angels minor leagues deal, so we're not going to likely see him. And then Corey Knievel, Dominic Leon, a couple formerly effective relievers signed minor league deals with the White Sox. And that takes us to where we are right now at 549 on Tuesday, February 13th of 2024. Hopefully we see you know Matt Chapman, Blake Snell, a couple other dudes sign the free agency deals before spring training starts because that – it's a terrible thing about baseball where we have people damn near starting the season without being on deals, big free agents as well, too. So we'll see where it takes us. But that's the moves that we saw this past week from the MLB. Did you see the A's move today? The play-by-play announcer? No, the that outfielder. One? The outfielder. Steven Piscotty. Back to oh. Vegas. What we sent him to my league deal? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I was, I was hyped. And not that he'll, he'll play very much or it, it, at all, but. I don't think he'll, he'll make the team, to be honest with you. But, you know, he's playing Las Vegas. He gets him, hit some homers in AAA, whatever. Shout out Pleasanton. I get it. Would retire. But, anyways, I guess we'll come yeah. back to him, Piscotti. <laughs> Moving on. 
Layups, bold predictions. We went two for two or two for four, my bad, this past week. I had Kansas City plus two. That, of course, hit. Skyler had CMC anytime touchdown. He got it on receiving touchdown from Jawan Jennings, of all people. This week, I have Boston minus 12 and a half versus Brooklyn. Boston's really good at home. Brooklyn's been scuffling a little bit. So give me Boston minus 12 and a half. So we got the NBA All-Star Weekend coming up here. And I'm going to go with my theme of going with the Saturday night stuff as my bets because historically I've been better with these than the All-Star game. So my layup is going to be that Mac McClung wins the dunk contest. Uh, He'll be going up against All-Star Jalen Brown, rising star Jaime Hawkes, and Jacob Toppin, Nick's G-leaguer, the other G-leaguer here in the contest, who is the younger brother of Obi Toppin. So uh, I I feel like Mac has had a lot of time to prepare for this one. He's got nothing to lose, man, and he's a really high flyer. I'm excited to see what he's got. Moving on to both predictions. We know what mine was. It was Jawan Jennings to throw a touchdown pass. Just kidding. I I wish it was. (laughs) That would have been really cool. But I had Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony touchdown, and the read was correct, man. The McCole Hardman touchdown to win the game. That was the exact play that they ran last year twice to get Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony touchdowns. Those two dudes, obviously Tony didn't play. Uh, Sky Moore didn't really see the field much. So, unfortunately, that doesn't hit. But uh, Sky's bull prediction was final score 27-24 in SF's favor. Of course, it didn't go that way, but it was close. I think yeah. both of our score predictions were pretty close. I had mm-hmm. 27-26 Kansas City. We've got it in the you know right tens to five range. So good job by us this week. Not a crazy bull prediction. I believe the dubs are like plus one hundred five or plus one fifteen uh, over the Clippers tomorrow. Clippers have been rolling. The dubs have been as good as they've been the entire season. I'll say that, except for maybe the first five games. And I think we get a dub tomorrow against the Clips at home. All right, I am going to go with who I think is going to win the Rising Stars Challenge this weekend. Team Paw. Paul Gasol, his first pick was Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> he also got Brandon Miller, Brandon Pajemski, Jaime Hakes, Jabari Smith, and more. In my opinion, these guys will all know how to play together. There's a lot of isolation players that the other teams drafted, and they're probably not going to win three in a row like you have to do to win this tournament. Like these guys who play great defense and have great playmaking. So that's just my opinion. Going with Team Paul Gasol. There you go. That's going to do it, though, for episode 179. Not as long as what I expected it to be. Yeah. It's about 55 minutes, but uh, good job on this one. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Maybe we start gearing towards free agency predictions in the NFL, uh, midseason predictions in the NBA. Mm-hmm. We have spring training starting in about a week or so, so that's pretty yeah. Pretty much got me pumped, but uh, I guess we'll see you for episode 180 in, in a week from now. One week. We got it all, all the sports, but, uh, you know, it's sad football's done, but we're not done. We're never done. We'll keep it rolling mm-hmm. every week, Tuesday night. We'll see you guys next week. Go Dubs. On a roll, man. On fire. NBA Jam on Fire Edition. Yeah.